millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now I hope all is well out there. Now with everybody, as the worst of the pandemic appears to be receding, we're burning rubber into the new year and I'd say there's an old stretch in the evenings out there at the moment, so things are looking up a small bit. Now my guest today is Don O'Leary. Don is the director of the Cork Life Centre, an innovative organisation that caters for youths who simply are not suited to mainstream schooling. In that respect, I personally think its whole ethos is exceptional because it's ensuring that some are not left behind simply because they are not suited to the type of education system that society has decided is the standard way to be educated. And in that respect, Don O'Leary and those who work with him are boosting the chances of all young people reaching their potential, which surely should be the basis for any education system. Don has been director of the centre for 16 years, and before that he had another life, one aspect of which involved him being sentenced to five years in prison for Republican activity during the Troubles in the North. Last November, he was awarded an honorary doctorate by UCC for his services to education and the community. And earlier last year, he made known that he is now suffering from terminal cancer and he was given a rough estimate of how long he had to live, a time span I'm very happy to say he has already seen the back of. Dan, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, mate. Delighted to be here. Dan, I've just spotted an interview there you did with Don O'Keefe in the Echo last year and one line of it really jumped out at me. And you said, if I had one wish for anyone, it would be to give them one day of the last 16 years of days that I have had in the Life Centre. What did you mean by that? Well, I suppose, you know, a lot of us go through life, right? And and it can happen where you're, you're kind of stuck in the what some people would say is the drudgery of work where, you know, you might be getting a, a wage and everybody needs a wage, but you're not happy. Um, I must say I have never come put my feet out of the bed in the morning in the last 16 years where I didn't want to be heading into the life centre. And I think for me, it's a, it's a hugely special place because you're working with an amazing group of young people and, and an even an amazing staff because the staff from the majority are volunteers, and, and you know the kids are brilliant at, at seeing through BS, right? Um, and they're very authentic, and I think you know we miss and lose out. You know the, the life centre here has a philosophy, right? Of um, this three pronged philosophy, we operate under a survey model, which is basically an acronym for service volunteers for all. But there's a three-pronged model involved. And that is like, um, when we meet young people first, we're, we're doing that in ignorance. We, we can't be doing it from a place where we know everything. So a young person knocks at the door here or is brought to the centre or is, is brought into me. Um, I know nothing about that child. I, I can't. Can I stop you there, Dan? Typically, 
How would somebody end up at your door? Well, there are lots of reasons, I suppose, Mike. It's, it's kind of like everybody sees that it can be children in trouble. I, I don't like looking at it that way. We have a lot of children who would have mental health issues. Um, social anxiety is massive um, at the moment. We have a lot of young people who have trauma in their life. And trauma can be, uh, again, lots of different things. It can be the death of a parent. It can be the death of a, a sibling. It can be the disappearance of, of a, a, an adult or a young person's life. We have children in care. We have children who have addiction issues. Um, and, and it's right across. And then we have kids that just did not fit in to that round hole of education that we have in, in this country. And I think when, when I meet the kids for the first time, I, I don't know any of that. I mean, how am I going to know? I'm not going to fund a school. If, if a school is getting rid of a young person or trying to, out of their out of their establishment, then if I ring and ask how sons are not gonna be told he's the best young fellow that ever lived. <laughs> so so the best thing for me, and I, I we believe this very firmly here, is that we have to build a relationship with the young person that comes in. And I suppose it brings us back to that that kind of model again, in that if we do that in ignorance, and then the next thing we have to do is uh, is attentive listening. Adults are brilliant at hearing the noise. We, we, we are fantastic, you know, and we nod the head, you know, people talk and leave them off down there, shout them, and grand off they go. We never listen to them. We never listen to them. If we listen to young people, they will be very quick, not just verbally, but in ways of showing you what is wrong with them. And the third one then is respectful intervention. I can't change anybody's life. None of us here in the life centre can. But if we find that, if we can find the passion that's within every young person, and drive on with that, then you, you start to make inroads, you know? Um, and and we, we, we get to journey a part of the way with the young people. You know, we, 13, 14 is when we meet young people. With a lot of them, we can go on until, you know, leaving cert, hopefully with them. And I suppose the other thing for me as, a, as the director here is that, you know, the academics are not the only thing that we need to be educating young people and ourselves about. For me, quite a lot of the times it could be the socialization process. Um, we could be sometimes very strict on in, in relation to behavior. We expect young people to be able to behave. And look, we have a pool hall in the center. I'm the undefeated champion for about 10 years, mind you. Um, they all try to knock me up, but it hasn't, it has failed. Um, and I pass the pool, the pool room, and someone says, fuck it. They're at the missing ball, and they say, fuck it. And I say, that's the language. And they'll be safe there, and anyone will say it. But that's a big difference if someone says, fuck you. If I have someone saying, fuck you, to a staff member, another student, me, and I wouldn't be worried. It'd be called a lot worse things, but I'd be told a lot worse things. I say, you've had enough today, come back tomorrow. And when they come in tomorrow, they come into the room I'm in now, and we sit down, and the young person's already said, Don, I, that was meant at no one, I was just in bed. I say, sound grand, I don't know all that. What happens if you go into your boss in the Monday morning and you say, fuck you to your boss? I want to have a job on Friday. So, like, it's about dealing with things like that and getting young people ready to go out there. And, you know, the other thing for me is most of the young people coming in will have a chance of reaching the Leaving Cert. We'll, we'll go to the Leaving Cert. If whatever issue they have, allows them to do that. And I think for me, one of the great things here is, right, 
being able to say to young people, we are, look, there's nobody in this world without an issue. Yeah? But the issue isn't across my forehead or your forehead, but sometimes with young people, or ADHD, ADD, and you give them all these labels, and I've never seen or met any label that's good for a child. So we kind to do is, the child is John. John is a brilliant kid, and I love John to bits. John has behavioural issues, though, and we need to work on them. In the same way, John has whatever issues he has, and we have to work on them. And I think it gives the child a chance to be loved as a child and gives the child an opportunity to, to work with the staff here and even at home with the parents to help the issues. How many students do you cater for there, Don? This stage is 55. And I suppose the saddest thing for me every year, my staff would be, that when I have 55 kids coming in now, I've turned away about 160 kids this year. And turning away 160 kids, uh, it, to me, is, is absolutely horrendous. It, it is, as I said, it's the worst thing I ever, I ever have to do. And this, that's been the way for a number of years. And where are these kids going to? Because... Because I don't know. That's, and That's the thing, isn't it? It is. We're gone a bit mad again, right? We do, we do this all the time. So, Mick, you, you remember some of this now. So and when, when I went to the secondary school, I, I went to Cree Street. That was kind of academic, and so you were expected to be doing academic, right? But there was always the text. You could go to the text, and the text then would take you to um, trays. So in, in, their, in their wisdom, years ago, the government said, get rid of the text. So the text were got rid of. Now you have kids who are not academic, but are staying in school to do a junior cert, and at junior cert, you know, if their dad, if their uncle, if their dad's friend had a trade and they get a start in it, they could win. The way we are for the last couple of years, because we haven't, we've tried to get rid of the junior cert, is that kids don't leave a junior cert and they cannot go into a trade because they don't have a junior cert. And what they're doing is, and I find this crazy, Accepting that kids, we, we, we learn different ways and accepting that kids have different ability levels than I have. Now, okay, I can knock a nail into the wall. No, like, will the house fall down afterwards? It might, but I can do that. But like for most of us, I have kids here who you give them an engine and they have the whole thing taken apart and put back together and I'd be still looking at it and saying, what's going on there like? But now we're expecting them, not only to do a junior cert, we're expecting them to stay to leave his cert and not even stay to leave his cert. You then go into a PLC. Why do you have to be 21 to start your trade? Why? Because can someone, because I can't get that through. Why do you have to do that? And I think we're being very unfair on, on children. And you know, we use this term that children are vulnerable. No. The, the child isn't vulnerable. We've made children vulnerable. But a child isn't born vulnerable. We've made them vulnerable. And we're making them more vulnerable by removing their, their opportunity to do the best that they can of their life. Because if you're saying and you can't go into a trade. You're leaving them with work. What kind of work are you leaving them with? What, where are their skills going to go to? And they won't stay to leaving cert. I mean, we know that. They barely stay to junior cert. And so I think we need to reevaluate that. And I think, you know, children... <clears throat> I'm working with 55 children this year, and, and we probably won't have any child want to leave us. Sometimes, you know, when I started here, we only took kids to junior cert. Now we take them to leave us out, not because I want to take them to leave us out, because the kids want to do it. And they, 
you know, they believe that they can do it, which is brilliant. And, and you know, support kids if they're happy to do something, support and support and support. But what happens to the child that falls off the edge? Where are we sending them? What, what are we saying to them that, you know, you have good skills with your hands, but you're never going to become a trace person? I couldn't agree more with you, Dan. As you say, myself and, and, and yourself as well grew up in a different era. You said you, you went to Kalash to Chris Um Did you do the leaving? What did you do after school? Well, I did the leaving. And, and look, I suppose when I was doing the leaving, like if you'd asked me in third or uh, fourth year, what I went to third year, fifth year, what I wanted to be, I would have said a teacher. No, sound, great job. I could never be, I couldn't have done it then. My, I was the eldest of a, of a 11. No, two had died, but there were still nine of us. Uh, so where the money was going to be found for me to go to university? It was never just going, it was just never going to happen, right? And I had, you know, as I said, I had part-time work in bars since I was 14. And it was brilliant. It was a brilliant eye-opener for me. It gave me money. It gave me money to give to the family. And then I went into uh, an office. And if you paid me all the money in the world, I would never go into an office again. <laughs> If I had a chance, I just it just didn't fit, you know. And I did lots of different things. What were you doing there? I was a cost accounting in, in engineering services in in uh, Dickensville Road, and sitting and writing out uh, what what it was costing for propellers and stuff like that to be fixed for ships down in Castletown Beer. And I hated ships for a long time after, especially fishing vessels, because counting the hours the lads had put into it was absolutely soul destroying. It was. Yeah. Mind numbing, and 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 again, no, I'm not taking it. Some people like that, I just didn't, and, and and I ran from it. Um, and I went back to the bar work, I, I did taxi base, I I was uh, did a gym, <laughs> shop, I was assistant manager on the gap in the Northman Street for a number of years. Um, I was uh, the manager of Young's Formal, where and uh, there was a dress hire shop upstairs, and we had the suits downstairs. And look, anything, you know, I, I, young family. You also, at that time, Dan, at some stage you got involved in what yeah. we call the Republican movement. Yeah, I look, I, I, I suppose, look, and I'm not going to blame anyone, but this is me, myself, but like, it, it, for me, my great, my great grandfather was on the McSweeney McCartan um, City Council, musician Fay Alderman. Um, this is, is, is back in 1920 when yeah, uh, Thomas McCurtain and, and was initially enough, like, Lord I, I Mayor, mean, he was murdered then McSweeney died in yeah. hunger strike. And, and like, it, it, for me, I, I'd met him, he was brilliant, but like, in, interesting thing, um, my, my mother's family would have been Fianna Fáil. Interesting as well, they'd have been the bars. My dad's people were fine Gael and they were fine, they were fine Gael and Glen Rover supporters. So you can imagine my house on, on the time of the <laughs> county championships coming up. It was demented. And our elections. And, and I always had an interest in that. And I think from a very young age, I, I kind of, a bit different than only, you know, they don't even tell you the history, no, but, but I mean, at, maybe they are not with the 100-year anniversaries, but before that they didn't. And I, I very, very much believed in the United Ireland. I still do. You know, I, I mean, I, I won't lie about that. And I did end up, and, and, and the ending up, um, as a as a political person, in, in, had its roots in, in an election um, in nineteen eighty seven. I I stood in a general election uh, for Sinn Fein. Prior to the election, uh, Peter Barry, uh, the then um, Tuanister, <coughs> no fine girl, had a big 
belted the echo off of me about uh, a poster that we were selling in Barracksville, the Sinn Féin's bestseller. And basically, it was a poster that Sinn Féin had brought out with, with, with what were seen to be armed men with masks on. Um, and it was an answer to the president clergyman going to Fecal to talk to the IRA. And basically what the poster said, the IRA called the shots. Now, it had been saying for bloody two years, I'd say, at this stage, but he claimed that the poster had disappeared off the window of the barracks because I was standing in elections for Sinn Féin. So I didn't wrote, I wrote to um, the Echo and the editor and said, look, I need a right to write to that. Like so I did. I did offer Peter Barry to send him a poster if he was missing it that badly, that they would be back in, but they were one of our best uh, sellers. And I would send it to him, don't worry, we'll get him one. He didn't come back to me, and I did get a raid in my house about three weeks later, three or four weeks later, and it was Easter. I suspect the special brands were looking for Easter lilies, um, but what they did was they took that, that poster and other posters out that we would have been selling in town. Um, about, they left it go too long, because they said they wanted me in the district court, and they left it go too long. And so what they did was they, they came back to my house about six months later and took me and said I was being charged with membership the area and, tre- and treason um, and, and I was brought to a special criminal court. And can I ask you, were, were you in the IRA, Dan? No, I'm, I was a Sinn Féin member, right? And I still, like, I wouldn't be denying it. I mean, I was involved in the, hung- the hunger strikes and I was involved in, in, in lots of different things. And I mean, the interesting thing for me was that it, I, I, I was standing in election and I was doing things around, everyone knew this and um, had been involved in the hunger strikes, had been uh, involved with Maureen Farrell's election during the hate box here in Cork. Um, and yeah, just went forward. And my wife and two kids were, were at home. And when I went to the special criminal court, the, 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 the judge there that we went to hear the, 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 that was going to remand me laughed and said, 250 euros yourself, or 250 pounds, I think, at the time. And said, we away. I said, well, the guards would give me lift back down because I came up in the car and so I, I got a train down. But then, before I was, uh, before I came to trial, uh, the, the Sunday before, the, a bomb went down in a skillet. Uh, and I did say, kind of say to my wife that, look, this is looking not good now. And it wasn't. And I suppose when I got in, the word of a superintendent said it was a member of the IRA. I said it wasn't. That's, he took the word of the... The superintendent. So I was I was sentenced to five years in prison. It's always because I have to charge. It's all, it always interests me that they charge me with treason. But can I just clear that what you done? You were charged and convicted of membership of the IRA, but you're saying you were not a member. No. Therefore, no, irrespective no, 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 of no, no, be very very careful here in this, right? I, yeah, yeah, I was not a member at that time, but I went. Didn't I knew everyone in this either, and I was in charge of education on the wings, so I would have been. Yeah, and I would have been at that stage, someone who was inside, I would have been a member of the area. I think everyone that's in jail would become a member of the area. And I have no problem in stating that, right? But at the time, and I mean, the funny thing for me was that when, when, I, when, when they came back and they looked at my, um, when I went for my appeal, the judge said he was giving me a year off. He was giving me a year off because the superintendent lied. And I'm kind of looking at him saying, well, like, that's what convicted me. So if he lied... Why are you having me still here? But look, in the end of the day, I mean, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, I'm still a Republican. I was elected a champagne councillor after that, right? And, and I, I did not. I'm not trying to deny this. I would have agreed with the armed struggle at the time. I thought, and, and 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 for lots of reasons, 
right? Um, which we, we can get into, but I'm not going to get into them. But yeah, I mean, no, I, when I, I look at a, a lot of people, when I, when I look at going back, you know, when I, I, it drives me mad when I hear people saying that. Um, oh, we always want to, down here, they always want to reunite Ireland. That's not true. It's not true from 1970 onwards. And, and the interesting thing for me is that people in the South think the troubles began then. The troubles began when the country was partitioned. And yeah, every uh, decade, uh, every decade there, nationalists, I mean, in Derry, you wouldn't have a vote if you were a Catholic. I, I, I hate this religion, you know, but you wouldn't have a vote if you were a nationalist. But if you were, if you were a loyalist and you had owned a shop and you had a house, you had two votes. Absolutely, and look, uh, and that's where like, gone that's, over, that's and everybody has their own has their own. Everyone has their own. Their own I mean, I what, I, what I'm curious about though is when you were sent to prison, and uh, I'm correct that at that stage you were married to a young family. Um, that must have been tough on your family in particular. Yeah, and I always say this, you know, I think I had a very easy time of it, you know. And yeah, look, at losing, being locked up for 24 hours isn't, isn't great. Like. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And the scene in Port Leash is something I'm very aware of as well through other work. You know, the... Subversives, they were called uh, landings, had their own system in there. It, yeah, it yeah. Was I mean, when, I, was, when from... I went in, there was a hundred and hundred odd, hundred and eighty men would have the same beliefs as I had, right? Mm. In these landings, and so it was very much we did education, and I was in charge of education for a while, and we had concerts, and we got people in, and, and like it, it was a, a different regime from what we'd say. Remember, the schools used to call them this. What the schools used to term ordinary decent criminals, in other words, people that had. Yeah. It wasn't a political, it was something else. But for me and the family, I mean, my daughter was born um, with some se- severe health problems uh, when she was born. She was born with her neck. Uh, she had a cliff palate. Um, she was brilliant. She's, <laughs> I wouldn't face her on, but she was going in for, for and I'll give you an idea, but she was going in for an operation. And, and, and I didn't know that because I ended the visit and it came up very quickly. And I had three letters. I got the middle letter first. I then got the other, the other letter, the one that came for a second, and then I had the third letter, and I was incomplete because she was very seriously ill in the hospital, buried in she was having brought to hospital. You, you, got, you got the letters out of sequence oh, yeah, in, yeah. in terms of how they were sent? How, how they were sent, and then it, it had me thinking, what's that happened to my daughter? Um, and I know for them, which side, it was, it, was, it was really difficult. You know, my, 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 my son would have been in primary school, a leash was was still in the car, and Betty had to to kind of to bring them along, and and yeah, it was re- it was really difficult, and I know it was really difficult, and I'd always say the families of prisoners had it a lot worse than the prisoners, and when I came out, I mean, this young my daughter is now my daughter, <laughs> uh, she she she's amazing. The biggest problem for me when I came out was my son was after becoming a Liverpool supporter, which absolutely <laughs> killed me. Um, and You're a Man United day, man, I think. I'm, I'm a Man United person. So, so, and I, I have been. It was my, it was a dad thing, and, and I went, but he went and became a Liverpool fan. But, but 
luckily my daughter comes to Old Trafford with me. Well, it was very difficult. And, and, and when you came out, Don, did you find, in terms of getting work, getting reestablished, did it go against you, oh, yeah. having been associated with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, but, but I haven't been associated, no. I mean, as I said to you, look, I've been standing for elections for a lot of times, and, and it, 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 like I had no problem in doing that. But when I came out, I, I, and I won't name the place now, I, I came out and I went on a scheme because I said, look, I, I need to get, try to get back into stuff. Um, I didn't particularly want to go back into bar work or, 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 or the, the night, and there wasn't too much of a round anyway, if you think about 1990. Um, and, and so I, I went on a scheme and I got in with this charity, and I, I was really enjoying it, I really liked it. And they asked me, do I want a full-time job? And I said, yes. And this is right, look, we'll talk about it the next week or so. Went home, told, told, told my wife and the kids, and I was absolutely walking in there. And then I walked in there to to, uh, to work. Um, it was a fair different distance from my own house. But on the way, the special branch followed me. I could see them. They followed me. And they, so they followed me into the job, and two hours into that day, I got a call to the office. And I went to the office, and they said, we're asking to leave the premises. I said, right. So why? I don't know. Um, you were in you were in jail. I said right. Um, so so why why would that? Um, you were in jail. You never told us. And I said well, I was never asked because if you ask me, I'll tell you. I, I would never be ashamed of that. So we would tell people. And this, she said no. I said it was a special branch came in and told you to do that, wasn't it? And. Didn't answer me, but I left. And I, but but to be honest, while I walked out and I I, I, I was able to question that, it was a bit of a hammer. So the, the you know I'm, I'm normally a very optimistic person, very you know. It takes a lot to put me down, but this did, um, and I was suffering a while with it. Um, I was still involved, and then I got, I got ill. Um, I, I was elected as as a, a, a Sinn Féin councillor, um, but I got in. I had a lung problem, which my lung collapsed through. I had um, bullet on the lung, kind of bubbles on the lungs uh, from my years of smoking. And one night I was out doing some work in, in the area and, and I, I just doubled over in pain. And what had happened was uh, one of the blisters had taken, o- had taken over the cavity of my lung, pushed the lung to the bottom, and when I tried to get out through the ribs, it bust. So my lung had been known for months. And I was in intensive care for a while. Uh, they removed half of my lung. Um, I, I resigned from the council not long after because I, I was a believer that if someone, if, if, if so, if someone voted for you and someone was in need, you'd leave, I'd leave my phone on. I'd, I'd often get phone calls at half two, three o'clock in the morning and I'd go if people, if people were in trouble. I wasn't able to do that. And that's what I committed to. So if I'm not able to do it, I wouldn't. And and I I still felt, I still I suppose I still felt it was really bad that someone had judged me and without knowing me. And then yeah. I was very lucky, and and I met uh, a guy. Um, I did. My wife was my wife's the secretary of a school, and uh, the principal of that school said, um, "Dan, will you come in and work with some young young lads?" And I said yes. I'd always been involved in youth clubs and stuff like that and running them. And I went in, and it was joyous. I mean, I was taking these kids. Out. They were supposed to be wild. They were supposed to be everything. But they were absolutely brilliant. And and I was then asked, uh, 
the principal got sick and the vice principal, who was a class teacher, stood back and I was asked, will I substitute for him? And so I meant I was taking kids to junior, sir. And I loved it. I, I mean, you know, if you think what you asked, what, what I wanted to be when I left school, coming back, here I was doing it. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you found a, a circuitous way into it, but you... you, you, you yeah, but you I suppose... You had your vocation. You're, you're dead right, Mick, but, but I don't think I was even thinking of that, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah. I was just oh, thinking, yeah, yeah. Here's, here's work, and I'm working with kids, and it's fantastic. And, you know, I, I, my degree is in... Is in um, Using community, you know, it's working with young people, it's working in community. So now I have the teaching degree. And so I did. And the kids really enjoy getting the kids to junior cert. And, 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 it, it's, uh, and then work, taking them out at different times in the afternoon because it's a different situation. Then you're taking them out and, and you're, doing, you're doing activities with them. So I was getting to see both sides of the child. And kids are brilliant. And you've gone on, and I, I think it's fair to say, certainly you've been recognised in terms of the work in the Life Centre and, 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 and those who, who work with you and, and the, the difference that that is making. And then, unfortunately, last year, it ultimately emerges that you you had you had a bout of cancer and now it ultimately emerges it's terminal. And how have yeah, things I, been around that? Yeah, look, and I suppose, look, I see, in the Life Centre here, right, I look at it, you know, I'm... I, I, I'm, a, I'm in a very fortunate position. I'm, I'm, I'm in, um, kids come in here and, and, and I said we share some of the journey with them and, and kids will, 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 maybe people will see it as unburdening themselves and will tell me things about their own life. And, and it's hugely important to build that relationship. You know, we, we, we have a relationship built on respect. You know, I sometimes see respect with children as to the child, you respect me. That's not going to work. Respect in here is you respect the child, the child will respect you. I can't ask anyone to respect me unless I'm doing the same to them. Like, so, so it's that kind of thing. So I hear a lot of things. I hear about their traumas. And, you know, it, it's a privilege. It's an honour to be allowed in and to hear that. And so in, in, in November, uh, uh, November of what? I can't even remember the years. November 20, uh, 20 I, I was, um, I had been very um, in pain since the lockdown, the first lockdown. Um, when the first lockdown, we had given the young people, uh, some had their own, we were giving them technology when we were working off computers. Now, the teachers would work away with them, but my job and some of the other staff's job was to look in and see that the young people were doing okay. If we felt they weren't or they looked off, then we would be calling them and talking. Now, I picked up a back a pen in the back, and I was, I've had back problems before, so I was saying, yes, yeah, probably the back problems. But I did go to my doctor, surprisingly enough, um, early on. And I did acupuncture and I did physiotherapy. And I went through the year, but none of them worked. And so in November, he said, funny, November the 12th, actually, I went and got a scan at the back of the city hall over. And, and I was home in bed early because I couldn't sleep. I maybe able to sleep for an hour, hour and a half, and that would be it, and then I'd be up. Um, with the pain, but <clears throat> I went, as I said, I went to my um, dome, went to bed. I could hear, they sent out, the, they sent out the, the scan straight away, so I could hear the scan coming through, and I actually went to open, and I said, they're sick of it, see it in the morning. And I pushed it away, and I got a phone call from my doctor, from 10 to 9, on Friday the 13th of November, and I went to him, but going there, I kind of had it in my own head, it's cancer. And my daughter drove me up and she waited for me and I went in and 
my doctor's a good old sort, like, and he, 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 I've never seen a man sit down. So he came to the front door to meet me, and I walked with him in, and went into the office, and he sat down. That's, well, that's not like him, so I said, and he was looking at me and said, is it cancer? And he said, yeah. So what do you want me to do? He said, I'd like you to go into the, the Mercy. You're, there's a consultant waiting to see you. And, and, and I was um, Dr. Power. Brilliant, brilliant man. And so I went in. Uh, they take the scan. I had bone cancer. But as well as having the bone cancer, I, I had a, a tumour on the neck, which was pressing down on my spinal cord. It wasn't cancerous, and they wanted to deal with that straight away. So uh, he said, look, I said, he said, do you want to go, you'll be going to the, the scans out in the, the CUH. Do you want an ambulance? Do you want your family? Me thinking very quickly, he said, I'll got to go with my family. So I go out for the, the radiotherapy. Um, that would take about 10 minutes. But I come back as circuitous route. I come back in around and up into the life centre. And I could spend two or three hours while I was in the hospital in the life centre. And then I went back over to my bed. Um, and that went on for five days. And it, it, it dropped the thing. And I was delirious. I was happy with that. And that is the only time I've kind of, That time was the only time I spent in hospital. Um, I mean, I have missed, I'm, I'm happy to say I've missed a day in the centre here in, in all the time. And even then I didn't miss a day because I got a couple of hours here. But in, in February, we were still on a, a lockdown. And the doctor phoned me and he said, look, he says, uh, my consultant said, Dan, you have uh, stage four uh, lung cancer. I said, okay. And I asked him, and he said, I hate telling you, I don't want to be telling you. I said, I'm asking you, you're not telling me. So at that stage, it was, he said, look, from about eight to 11 months, I said, so, well, my wife was there, she wasn't saying so, or, or the staff here weren't. But, but in my head, like, how do I say this? I, I, I'm at peace of where this is going to go to, you know? I mean, I, I just, like, I, I am at peace. Don't ask me why or how, but I am at peace with this. Um, and the other thing that early on very quickly decided, <laughs> I can't control cancer. I just can't, like, there's no more cancer. Cancer is there, I know it's there. And, and I know where that's going to, and I'm at peace with that. However, in between, there's things I can't control. I can control what I want to do, who I want to be around, and where I want to be. And I'm doing that, you know. I'm, I'm here in, in, the, in the center that I love. I love being with the kids. I have just got such an amazing staff. And I, I think sometimes when, when people talk about Lisa, they talk about me, it's, it's rubbish because... I have a deputy director and I have an administrator who have both worked here for 12 years. And it's only in the last couple of years that they ever got any money here. And they have contributed as much, if not more, than I have. Than I have. And it's the same as some of the teachers. I mean, 12 years here. And they're still not getting paid properly. Um, but, but, like, the kids, the families, I mean, it's just been, it's been fantastic in, 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 in all my time here. And, and as well as that, once I decided what I was doing and where I was doing, I decided that I had to tell the young people and their families and the young people that were here before. And I took that decision from a point of view. Number one, I didn't want anyone I cared about hearing from anyone else. I just didn't want that to happen. And so I took time out to, not, not time out, but, but left kids from, you know, former students and meeting them and their families and their kids. I, I was just like, I was absolutely brilliant in inviting them in and telling them where this was going and what was happening for me. And I sat, I sat with the kids, the kids that are here and the parents and, and you know, it, it, it was in a way really good. 
the, the kids are brilliant. The kids are brutal. They're brutally honest at times. You know, some of the stuff they come up with is is unbelievable. But I think, I think for the most part, and for no one, I think for all the, for for every young person I met, like their attitude has thanks for telling me, I prefer hearing it from you than someone else. And they're all that. Like you know, as I said to you all ago, this is the respect we have for one another. And, and I, if I didn't do that. I'd have been living the life for the last 16 years. And I'm not. This is the centre. This is how I want it to be. Um, the staff here got really hurt them when they heard it, and I know that. And my family, same thing. And I'm getting on with this. I'm very glad to see, at the very least, and I don't know what it actually meant to you, but that you got an award with an honorary doctorate last year from UCC. And as much that recognises the centre, even, even if it sits... Lightly on your own shoulders. I mean, look, I, I, in, in all fairness, like, I mean, I would have never have thought that, that UTC would have given me a doctoral, you know, when I was there as a, as a student and I lectured on the night college, in night, in night classes. Um, but, but I think, you know, like, there was a couple of things very special to me in that. I mean, the, 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 the person that read the citation, um, giving me this honorary doctorate, was Anya Highland. Someone who has been who has forgot more than I'll ever know about alternative education. A titan in terms of education in the country, yeah. And and then you have people like Ursula Kelly, Sharon Lambert, the the the, the president of UCC, and and you know they've been very good to the centre. I mean, the great thing about here is um, we've built a lot of relationships with them across. So our kids are always in the psych slam. Um, we're always in the the law department, and and we've worked with all of these people, and and our kids have. And I think that's, for me, it was, it was kind of celebrating a link, I think, between the Life Centre and the third level institution. And, and I think, for me, that was amazing. And, you know, that I was honoured in that. I don't think I deserve that. Or I think everyone here deserves that. But, you know, when I tried to pass that on, people said, well, I'm the leader. And I, yeah, I suppose the book does stop with me. But I, I, do have to be, I do have to be the one that, you know, takes the final decision. But I have, I've just, you know, 63 years, you asked me a question a while ago, uh, 16 years of, of being here in this fantastic building, working with, and listen, I mean, I, I've, the, the countless staff I've worked with who've offered so much to these kids and the kids, and the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids it's all about the kids, the kids are special. And I wish that we, we, we could all be a little less hard on them and, you know, to recognise that education is a children's right. It's not something Don, you and I give or anything else. Dan, it's been a pleasure talking to you today and I want to wish you all the best for the future and thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for the invitation, Mick. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Uh, I'd also like to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon, and thank you folks for listening. We'll talk again next week and go easy in the meantime. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.